Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of creativity and spirituality and discover what lights up your creative soul. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm super excited for my guest today, Britt Olson, because I think Britt is the first person to come on the podcast twice. We had her on maybe like two, two or three years ago. I will link our first episode in the show notes for you all. But it was so fun to just reflect back on our last conversation where Britt and I originally met in real life for the first time because I was invited to teach a creativity workshop at a retreat that Britt was hosting. It was called the Magic Retreat in Puerto Rico. And I think our first episode was when we were sharing about that retreat and sharing about Saturn Returns and intuitive eating. And lo and behold, this retreat completely changed my life. I met some of my best friends on the retreat and two of the girls that went on that original retreat a couple years ago in Puerto Rico, we are now hosting our very own retreat in San Diego this May called the Soul Radiance Retreat. So we shared an episode a couple weeks ago all about the Soul Radiance Retreat and what going on our first retreat was like and how it created these intense and beautiful bonds between us that you know really created these life-lasting friendships. And I attribute so much of that to Britt because Britt was the one, you know, the person who was leading the retreat and she held such a beautiful space for us and really cultivated that space for us. And so I'm super excited for this girl chat episode with my beautiful friend Britt who has recently gone on another transformational journey she has recently become a mother and she gave birth to her beautiful baby Sage about a year and a half ago and she just gave birth to her second baby boy and so we got to chat a few months ago about motherhood and what this transition has been like for her and just the honesty behind motherhood especially when you're approaching motherhood from a very conscious perspective and from a perspective of wanting to heal your childhood wounds and being very intentional with motherhood and Britt has just been someone that I admire so so much because of the way that she shows up not only for herself but for her child and how she continues to take care of herself throughout motherhood. So this episode is really great for you if you are a mother and you're looking for some support and inspiration on your motherhood path, or if you're someone like me who is not yet a mother and I know that you know that will come when the time is right. I'm in absolute no rush. I feel like I still have a couple of years to learn more about myself before I go under that transformation. But if you are someone like me who is really interested in motherhood and wanting to do the work before you have children, I think this episode is going to be really great for you because I ask a lot of the questions that have just been on my mind when I think about motherhood and thinking about, you know, service versus sacrifice and how do you take care of yourself when you're taking care of someone else full time. So I'm just really grateful to Britt. I feel like I said it a couple times in this episode, but just want to reiterate it here that it's so important to have a mentors in your life and people that you can talk to and and people that can support you through these different chapters of your life and I look at Brit as someone who has you know is kind of a couple steps ahead of me and during my made into bride transformation Brit was so helpful 
in just talking through everything that was coming up during the wedding. And I felt like Britt was one of the only people in my life that really understood what I was going through because she had gone through it a couple years prior. And I'm just so grateful to have mentors and role models like Britt along my path, not only for the wedding journey, but also now for the motherhood journey. And just excited to for you all to listen to this episode and share the magic and the wisdom. If you are interested in our retreat, the Soul Radiance Retreat, you can message me on Instagram. Just DM me the word retreat, and that's at Leia Van Doren, L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N. And I'm more than happy to send you the details of our retreat. We're already having some signups, and it's really exciting to just gather in community again with a group of women um, because that is truly my favorite inspiring thing to do. So without further ado, let's welcome Britt back onto the Creative Soul Podcast. Hello, Brent. It is so amazing to welcome you back on the Creative Soul Podcast because you've been here once before. And yeah, just so happy to have you here again. Welcome. Thank you, Leah. I'm so excited to be here. And it's so funny when you say I've been here before because I'm like, wait, that was like a lifetime ago. What did I even talk about then? I know. Well, I remember exactly. We can link the episode in the show notes, but I remember exactly what we talked about. We talked about intuitive eating and Saturn returns because I was like just at the cusp of like entering my Saturn return. And then we talked about the magic retreat in Puerto Rico because that was what was coming up. So it's so just wild to think back on everything that has happened since then. Like not only in your life and my life and our life in the world, but then just thinking about like how that period was such a catalyst for like everything that unfolded after that. So yeah, that's wild to think about. That is, yeah. I mean, especially just even the retreat, looking back to that, it was, yeah, such a catalyst of an experience for so many of us, like who were all in attendance and just the way so many shifts and transformations and life experiences and all these things just unfolded for every single one of us, each individually, and then together as a group as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about, I wanted to say this to you because I was remembering like back on that period and that was just such a wild period, like leading up to the retreat. Cause I know we had connected, we were friends, but we didn't know each other that well. And like, then we were going to, you know, I was going to teach a workshop at your retreat. I remember we had a call while I was in Guatemala and we were like talking about this retreat. And I remember feeling so lost like during that period because I was tra- I was solo traveling through Central and South America. My life was like totally up in the air. The ground beneath my feet was totally gone. And I just remember like, I was kind of like wandering around and I had no idea what I was doing or why I was doing it or where I was going. But the retreat in Puerto Rico was like my North star because I was like, no matter what happens in these couple of months that I'm traveling, I know that the first weekend of December, I'm going to be in Puerto Rico for this retreat. And I just, I'm like getting chills as I'm talking about it. But like, I was feeling like no matter what, like I will be at this retreat and like, it's all going to be okay. So like in those moments where I felt so ungrounded and just lost, I was like Puerto Rico, the magic retreat is my North star. And just thinking back on that, it's so beautiful because I mean, that retreat was so special and just the people that were there, I mean, literally like not only were the people that were there now have completely held me 
in the next chapters of our lives. And I feel like we've done that for each other. Like we've truly held each other throughout these shifts and changes that have taken place since then. But it's like, I mean, it was like, it's, it's insane to think about it. Cause I'm like, just the friendships that were formed, the, like the healing that took place before, during, and after, and just thinking about like the women in my life and the people that have taught me so much, like all of those people were at that retreat and I never would have met them if I hadn't gone to that retreat. And like now in a couple of weeks, we're all meeting up, like some of us are meeting up again and we're going to have this weekend and I wish you could come, but like, we're going to be doing more of them. And it's like, it's truly a lifelong connection that we built because of what you created and what you intentionally created that weekend. So it's like, it's so big. It's like incomprehensibly big to really think about what that weekend was and like how that has created ripple effects throughout all of our lives. And it's just remarkable what you did. So I was like, I almost wanted to just, yeah, I want to share that with you because it's truly life-changing and then kind of just like ask you like what, yeah, like what do you think about when you reflect back on that retreat? Because that was also such a big moment for you. And I, yeah, just a catalyst for so many things that unfolded. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just receive your words and your reflections so deeply. I mean, honestly, it makes me like just so emotional (laughs) hearing that with where I am in my own journey post-retreat as I've entered into motherhood and have really put my career to the side Mm. for right now and put it on pause so that I can be fully present and fully one with these new creations that one I've already brought physically into the world. Another one I'm currently in the pregnancy creation portal right now, and he will be making his presence Mm. sometime this winter into our world. And I mean, that was just such a beautiful reminder and I feel that we can all connect to that to just really just to trust in ourselves and what we're doing into the world and the impact that we're having and to really just never never lose sight of what's possible because of course I built the in, built the retreat with complete pure intention wanting to bring women together wanting us to be able to connect and heal on individual levels and collective levels and then celebrate one another and be together physically as well. The retreat took place the end of 2021. Some of us haven't had that opportunity yet. And now just looking back, backwards and forwards as to all that has transpired since then, I mean, it's just, it just makes me so emotional and just such a reminder of not only myself and my power and my gifts when it is truly heartfelt and like really from the core of my being, but to all of us. And just, I mean, the retreat would not have been what it was if it wasn't for each one of us that came together and like came together as our full selves. And mm-hmm. maybe some of us had some untapped parts of ourselves that we had lost sight of for a minute and we brought different gifts and talents and experiences and energies and just everything into that retreat. And like, of course, we're coming together to find connection through female, through community. But like, I could have never guessed that we would have left that retreat with true lifelong friendships and connections. 
it's just, it's incredible. And it really is lifelong. And like you said, we've all been able to hold one another in different ways. And even just before we started recording, you said a little prayer for us with some intention in it. And I love that. And like, I just felt so held by you in that moment. And like, we're just always constantly giving and receiving off of one another in the most natural way possible. So it's like, I had so many intentions for the retreat, but what came out of it was so much bigger than what I think like my mind was actually capable of visualizing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It's like it, I think it's such a beautiful reminder and inspiring that it's like, right. When we have a vision that we hold in our hearts, we can't like, if you had, if you had let like self-doubt stop you and you were like, no, I can't do this retreat, you know, because who am I to lead a retreat in a foreign, like in an international retreat, technically, like that would have, that could have stopped so many people. And if you hadn't done that, think about how much all of us would have missed out on. And like, my, I mean, my life would have been in a completely different place. Just not if I hadn't had those deep female friendships, like it truly, like, yeah, like, right. It truly impacted my life in a life-changing way. So it's so beautiful to remind ourselves that when we do have those callings or those visions in our hearts, our physical mind can't even imagine the impact of what And like the ripple effect of like what that, you know, we might not even be able to see that ripple effect like right away or whatever. In this example, it's like, it's so powerful. I I just get chills every time I think about it because it's so powerful. And so it's just beautiful to trust those visions and know that like, it's so much bigger than us. And like, we are truly the, in the channel in a way. And like, you were the one who had the bravery to do it all and to put it all together and yeah, it's just so, it's so wild. It's so cool. It is. It really is. And it's just such a beautiful example and like practice of self-trust and self-knowing. And you mentioned bravery, like it is, it's brave to do that. And it also takes courage to sign up for and actually like physically attend a retreat as well. Like that is super scary, especially whether you're going on your own. You don't know anybody else there. Even if you know one person, I mean, I know we've talked about this a lot of just the female collective and how intimidating that is in and Mm -hmm. of itself to hang out with a group of whatever the number of group of said females for a certain period of time as well. Like there's so much trauma and wounding that comes from that. And I know so many of us healed and cleared all of that during the retreat, but it really is. It just, it's a ripple effect and it's non-linear and it's like, we're all, we're all pieces of it. It's really, really just magical. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's so many things that I want to go to from here, because like you said, you mentioned that your career is on pause right now because you just entered this beautiful new chapter of motherhood. And I'm curious as someone who is in my pre-motherhood phase, like if we think of the female archetypal journey of maiden to mother to crone, which I really want to insert like a halfway point between maiden and mother, because I think that halfway point is bride, because Mm -hmm. I think the maiden to bride journey was just something I did not expect. Like I truly didn't expect the internal transformation that takes place. And you, I mean, you've been such a guide to me in my life, truly. Not only like the sad and return stuff, like I felt like I was able to 
Like I really look to you as a guide, not only for someone who like went through their sad return, but then the made into bride stuff, you were such a huge guide to me during that process. And I felt like you were one of the only people in my life who really understood what I was going through on like an internal spiritual transformational level. So there's so much to say there, which we can get into, but thinking about you and you've made this journey, you know, like just thinking about the last like few years of your life, like having gone through your Santa return, then you went through your own made into bride journey. And now you've gone through your made into mother journey. And like, I just want to hear from you. And I, there's a part of career that comes up for me. Cause I think that's something that I have fear of in entering the motherhood space. Like, I feel like I am just now figuring out what I want to do with my career or feel like I want to have time to dedicate to my creative projects. But then I think about, okay, this is coinciding with the time that like, I really might become mother. And like, how does that fit in with my career aspirations, quote unquote. And I think this is such a large topic because we live in society now where women are expected to do it all. And that's just not possible for a person when they're also raising humans. That is a full-time job plus. So yeah, I kind of want to start there and like a little bit more about like your transformational journeys. How did you feel about career? Because you have, you have this thriving, you had built this thriving career for yourself. So what was, what, where have you been at with all of that? And like, yeah, what has that all done to your internal transformation? Yeah. So I will say the hardest thing I've ever done was fully stepping into motherhood and becoming a mother and really releasing, pausing, letting go of my career Mm. for this current season and time period. I have been a career-driven person my entire life whether that looked like the high achiever in school back in the day, someone juggling multiple internships and a social life in college and somebody who's always been able to just do it all, all to the expense of myself, thousand percent. Great experiences. I would never trade anything of my journey for anything. Like I love my entire life journey and where it's been. And I can see just different things that I was really trying to cling to. But within all of that, I, I've loved my career. Career is a huge piece of who I am. I'm actually an Aries son in the 10th house, the house of career. Mm. Career is something that it's just, it's who I am. I have huge visions, huge aspirations. I'm definitely, I've shown myself that I'm capable of a lot, but when I really, really got to know actually how capable I am, it was when I finally let go of the thing that I was holding on to and really identifying myself through mm. my entire life. And that was my career. And that did not come easy. That was the hardest thing I ever did. And I'm actually so grateful that my career, while it was or is I, like, I don't, it's kind of hard, right? Cause it's like, it's not dead. It's just on pause. Yeah. Um, and that version of it is dead. Like you'll never be that yes. version again. Thousand percent. And it was thriving. And I was running my own business. I had been running my own business for several years. I was I was doing the thing that a lot of people aspire to do. And I mean, there's a huge ego death 
that comes with that on so many different levels for sure. However, I'm also grateful that my career wasn't to the level of something that I wasn't able to let go of. Mm. Now you can argue that we can always let go of anything, right? However, had I already become someone larger in the public eye, say like a Jenna Kutcher or, you know, some of the more like influential couple million followers, hundreds of thousands, you know, well, Mm -hmm. however we want to like categorize people. I, I haven't gotten there yet. Do I see that in my path? A thousand percent. I have my entire life. However, had I already gotten to that point right now, I wouldn't have been able to let go of that. And I wouldn't have been able to step into the mother. It just like, it makes me so emotional (laughs) and like the person that I am right now. And to be able to dedicate myself fully, not only to my children, but also to myself and like Mm -hmm. my partner and just all of this right now, it wouldn't have been possible or it could have been possible, but it would have been so hard to do. And I still am very scared. I'm like, what will I come back to when I come back to it? What will all of that look like? However, I'm now in a place that it's really shifted these last couple of months and it's really taken my daughter to turn one, me to complete this first year in motherhood throughout all just the transitionary period. And I can go into different details of parts as you want, Leah, but I kept trying to revert myself back to that career because it was what I had always known. It was what I had always turned to as well when things got tough. But then on top of it, I was also getting flooded with all of these really, really creative ideas and visions So it was this very strange period of like seeing the programs and the projects and the ways to help people and all the, I mean, it's like, I have this huge like (laughs) vision board of what I'm going to do from a career aspect in the world that was all just like flooding in and downloading in, like as soon as Sage came out and I do contribute a lot of that to taking time to do nothing right? As soon as we start doing nothing, that's when it all comes flooding in. So it was also just a very confusing time as well. And it took a solid year for me to realize that working right now, A, it's a huge privilege not to be working right now, but also that like, it's just not in alignment for me. And with where our society is, I'm really proud to be able to do things differently than a lot of people are. Mm. So for you, having, you know, pro, you know, kind of being at this turning point yourself of like, where do I go from here? I would say just trust in what feels good in the moment Mm. and follow suit and course, correct, surrender, let go. I mean, motherhood has definitely been the biggest practice of surrendering of my entire life, but Mm. it kind of comes back to that level of like self-trust and following the heart. Oh, wow. Okay. That feels, yeah, that feels really good. And there was something you said, like when you're, cause it's so interesting to hear that, like after giving birth, you were flooded with these creative ideas. Cause if we think of pregnancy, birth, giving birth, like that's the ultimate act of creation. It's the ultimate, I mean, it's the truly the ultimate act of creation and women, the fact that women's bodies are so capable of such a magnificent, miraculous creation I've always wondered like how that correlates to 
other things that you want to birth in the world, other things that your channel wants to create in the world. And I feel like one inspires the other. Like it makes so much sense that after that portal, you had so many ideas come in, but it's so interesting because then right now you don't have the time, you know, you probably don't have the time energy space that it would take to dedicate to that next birth because you're, you're dedicating all your time, energy, and space to your current birth. But it's like that feeling of, because this is something I'm learning a lot right now of just like the timing of things and trusting the timing of things. And that like, just because you can't rush and go ahead and, you know, complete those things now and put those things out into the world, which probably came so easy to you before of like having an idea and then doing it and manifesting it and seeing it in the world. It's like trusting that like deep, time where it's like just you know does, just because you don't you're not acting on those ideas right now doesn't mean that they'll never come to fruition it's like you know luckily hopefully we will have long lives and you're being given those visions because you will bring them forward but it's like trusting that things just take more time than perhaps we're used to does that resonate oh it resonates completely and it's it's so interesting because it's so difficult for our modern world with where we are to yeah. have an idea come in that feels so good and so fruitful and we see its potential and it's that like, oh my God, you know, light of the world type of idea, right? Or whatever, light up your community world, you know, whatever it is. And then to be like, and now is possibly not the right time for me to execute and act on it. And it's totally okay for me to do that because it's not going anywhere. Mm. And trusting in that, like, what is meant for me will always be meant for me. Mm. But it's so hard because then we open up our phone and we see Instagram or whatever form of media we're consuming or text messages from friends or emails, or I mean, even podcasts, right. And we see all these other people executing and acting on their great ideas. And we feel that now, but what if we fall short? What if I don't act on this idea right now? And it really is like the creation process. I mean, I just look at it as like the physical body of what it takes to create a human. It takes a solid nine to 10 months. And that is a really, really long time. So if we like you know, channel that into the world of career and projects and things and, you know, different purposes and things like that. Like when has anyone really sat down and allowed something to live and percolate and be created for a solid 10 months? Right. I mean, or even longer. Right. And those are the actual transformative things compared to this idea we get in our head and we feel like, okay, I now need to get this out in the next 14 to 30 or 45 days. It's like, what if we did go slow? And what if we did hold on to these ideas and just trust that they are ours, they came to us and we're going to bring them to life when we do, or the concept of like big magic, which I think you're familiar with. If I don't create it, that's okay. Somebody else is going to, too. Mm. That's great. But it's like, we really have to take off that competition mindset that has really just been like, pounded into us. I mean, I feel like lifelong almost with our generation. Mm, oh my God. Yeah. That resonates really deeply, especially the big, big magic thing. It's funny because the big magic thing then is like, what gets me like, feel like anxious about it. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. well, if I don't take action now, that means that someone else is going to take it. But like, Same. 
that taking that breath and sitting back of like, well, it's beautiful. If then if like, if I can't take time and attention for this right now, and if someone else can, like, that's like, we're, we, it's that idea of like, if one of us wins, we all win. So like, why are, why would we feel like I'm losing something? If like, I'm not the one who gets the recognition or whatever, like that's just all ego. And it's mm-hmm. not actually sitting back into the surrender of like what creation is, which is love, which is we're creating these things because we're hoping that it benefits us all or it benefits some of us in a positive way. Like, otherwise, why would we do it? So yeah, it's just so counterculture to what our world is. And that's what I think makes a lot of things so difficult in our society. And it particularly, especially motherhood, like I, that's, it it gets me down a lot when I think about mothers and when I think about even my own journey of choosing to become a mother. And I think about all the women in my life who have not chosen to become a mother. And it's really like, when, when I look at the mothers in my life and how hard it is and how difficult it can be, it's feels like a lot of that difficulty is just because of how we're living in modern day society. Like take that away And I mean, you know, mothers have existed since we've existed. Like it's a natural, normal part of the human experience. But in our today, day and age, it feels like in order to do it in like a, I don't know if the right word is natural or in order to do it in just like a way that feels supportive for child and mother, you have to do things so differently. And I look to you as someone who has really gone against the grain and not done things in the way that everyone does them. So will you talk a little bit about like what, yeah, what your journey to motherhood has looked like and like, how have you approached motherhood differently than say larger society and what kind of things have you had to deal with maybe internally or externally of like choosing to do something differently? And how does that like, yeah, cause it, I think it takes so much more I don't know if it takes so much more energy, but it feels like doing the different thing is actually the harder thing, but then maybe actually the thing that gives you the deeper reward. So yeah, will you just talk about that and see what comes up from that? Thousand percent. Yes. And you said that beautifully as well. It is do choosing to do the harder thing and the different thing and going outside our current norm, which I feel like is really just stepping back in time to where we really first came from does give you the deepest reward. I mean, I can just even resonate with it on the level of in motherhood and being a mom, everyone's always talking about how fast time goes and, oh my gosh, you're going to blink and she's going to be 18 or time, even women with babies, which like no shame to anybody at all, but just like the dialogue of slow down time, time is going so fast and this and that. And I actually don't feel that time is going that fast. And I attribute that to the fact that I've slowed down time by choosing to be so present with my child and with this experience. And this experience has had so many ebbs and flows. I went through a huge postpartum depression and anxiety period that I thought the way I supported myself during pregnancy, those first three months postpartum, I mean, this is the ego talking, but like, I thought it'd be good. I figured like (laughs) done all the, not to say I've done all the right things, because I don't believe that there's like a right or wrong way to do things, but I did 
I was really, really intentional with my time and my health and my practices and really nurturing and allowing my body to heal in that fourth trimester and allowing Sage and I, Sage is the name of my daughter, to connect, to bond, our family unit to bond. Like we just even did things differently then Mm. that when I then got rocked with this huge mental health journey through motherhood, it was like, wait, what? Okay. A, like always have to check, right? It's always a constant lesson of getting to know our ego, of course. But that was just so interesting to me as well in that time period, which then it really took me back to continuing to trust my intuition and continuing to look within myself. And again, just like getting to know myself even deeper and how do I now get out of this low? And I will say there is nothing harder. I mean, there's so many, so many difficult elements of the motherhood journey, but when you are struggling mentally or with a mental illness, and then you have this little human looking up to you for love and safety and connection. And I mean, you're the one that does everything for them, Mm. mother or father, depending of course, whatever roles we're talking about here. And then you're struggling so deeply internally inside. Like it just, it's the most bizarre experience. And it really makes you question your own sense of self, your role with this child, your role in society. Like, it's just like, what am I doing here? And then it doesn't help that there's so many external dialogues saying like, oh, for some people, isn't this the best thing you've ever done? Don't you love this experience with this little baby and all these things? And like, of course I love it. Yes. And it's also really, really hard right now. So there's just so many moments due to whether it's our own internal conditioning and patterning whether it's the outside dialogues, which are all often coming from pure intention, of course, but it's just the like recognizing that everyone's experience in the journey of motherhood is completely different. And every single baby is completely different. And as I'm now experiencing right here, right now, every pregnancy is also different. (laughs) Like I've been comparing my own second pregnancy so much to my first one. And I really had to, again, wipe the slate clean on that. And like, honor the fact that this pregnancy is completely different. Mm. A, my body's completely different than it was. I have a completely different being inside of me, which I feel like really this is probably just the trajectory into bringing a second child into the world. It's that like beginning energy of starting to teach me of, hey, and this child's going to be completely different. So I can't (laughs) compare one to two and everything like that, which again is just that continuous spiral of life. But yeah, just through through the motherhood journey of doing things differently, it came with, it's come now with so much deep reward that I'm now like really, really receiving over a year later. Mm. And I see how important it was. However, I questioned so much of what I was doing and I tried to also like run from it as well of like, maybe I'm not fit to be a mother and to spend all my time with my kids, which is really hard. Like we do need breaks a thousand percent. Like maybe I should turn back to my career that possibly feels easier than facing all that I'm being faced with, with this baby. And it has nothing to do with as well, the babies. I do just want to like honor that. And like my girl and who she is, it's simply 
my role in my own individual experience, but I really wish that there will be more, and I do feel like it's starting just more dialogues around the beautifulness, of course, of bringing life into this world, but also the extreme hardship that comes with it and how it affects everybody differently, if Mm. that makes sense. And I would say one of the biggest things though, that aside from really turning off my career, tuning out my career, has been also really kind of tuning out from that outside world and all those outside dialogues that I was mentioning. Like I've spent more time off social media in this last year than I ever have in my life. Mm. And I had to do that because the second I started seeing what other people were doing, other people are saying, it just, it made me second guess myself. And like, that's where that element of like major self-doubt comes in. And it's like, what am I doing? And as much fun as it is, especially in the early baby years, being with this baby, for me, it was also pretty boring too. Like, it was like, okay, what do I do with you? And I see how easy it would be to just sit there and scroll social media. And for me and like our family values, I would then never want, like I could easily tune out and A, I would never want my child to look up at me and see my me just lost in the phone. Like we all know it's so easy to get lost in the phone, right? But then on the same side of that, like with everyone kind of talking about how t- quickly time goes, I'm like, yeah, time is going really quickly when you're not present with your kids and when you're possibly spending more time on social media than with this angelic little <laughs> pure bubble of life in front of you who's also causing you to confront your own shadows and you know for me it was a lot of what my inner child didn't receive in childhood all of that was brought up that I had to face I mean there's just so much it's so multi-layered whoa okay yeah wow so much there and I'm just grateful for you speaking to a lot of this because I am grateful that I think the conversation is shifting a lot where people are a lot more open about their motherhood experience and it not being, you know, I think before and like our generations before us, it's like, you weren't even allowed to say anything negative perceived negative because, you know, then there's like so much feeling around that when it's like, well, that's just not life. Like life is not just one thing. It can't just be beautiful and wonderful and happy all the time. Like of course there are those other side, other spectrum of the experience and motherhood being like one of the purest life experiences, the, one of the deepest perhaps life experiences, like, of course there's both. And something you're speaking to, which is really interesting to me, because this is something that I fear is that feeling of like things being boring and like maybe things not feeling like it's enough. And I think it's so easy then for, you know, if life, if we're feeling kind of bored or like, especially in our world, when we've gone so fast, like that is what we are accustomed to. So anytime we do slow down a bit, like it's totally natural to feel bored. And so to feel bored while you're raising a child, like, and then to not replace it with social media, how did you sit in those moments? Like, how did you, did you replace it with anything? Like, how did you kind of work through those feelings of like, the mundane day-to-day of being a mother and like sitting in your house, taking care of this child and not being in the external world and then not escaping and relieving yourself of 
that confrontation by tuning out and checking social media. Cause I feel like that's so easy to do. And I'm like, I feel like that's what I would do. So how can, how do you cultivate that sense of like sitting with yourself, even when it is so difficult? Yeah. So it's a combination of things and the not enoughness that you mentioned is a huge part of it. And that was a big kind of like subconscious fear, I think more than conscious of like, will this be enough? Mm. Like is motherhood going to be enough for me? And that's where it also made it really difficult too. When people would say, when I was in these really, really dark times of, oh, you're such a great mom. And haven't you always wanted to be a mom or don't you love being a mom? And inside I'm like, oh my God, this is the external validation that's supposed to be giving me the enoughness. And Mm -hmm. I'm in such a dark and out of body place right now. I like want to throw up at what you're saying and it's it's hard to understand till you're really in it but it is that strange because it is it's like no one's validating you as a mother on a day-to-day basis you have this baby who you know you're connected like the connection is so deep I mean having your own child it's just it's unlike anything it's so beautiful Mm. but then there's also you're doing the same thing day in and day out without that external validation that most of us in our generation have learned to feed off of. I mean, that's been like a primary nutrition source for so many of us. (laughs) So I did just want to make note of that, but yeah, for me, I mean, it's like interesting because social media gives us like a dopamine hit, right? So at first, which there's so much happening in the body, but I actually saw myself suddenly then turning to sugar, which Mm -hmm. was something I had never done in my life. And at first it was really fun because it's like, Ooh, I'm suddenly wanting all these foods that like, I've never really craved before. And then I got to a point where it was like, wait a minute. Okay. Now what am I disassociating from (laughs) now? What am I actually using the sugar for? So it's right. It's that constant balance of like, okay, I've taken something away, but now what am I trying to replace it with versus just letting it be? So for me, when it was that it was like moments of boredom or just like, what am I doing with this baby? And like, I want to go check out and see what the outside world is doing. It might sound so simple, but like <laughs> dance and music mm. really saved me. And whether that be Sage and I having like morning dance parties, introducing her to new music, playing music with her. It was something about just the joyful energy of music and dance. And of course, dancing, like getting into my body felt so good. And it was just such a way for me to also release emotions that probably would have just gotten stuffed down had I turned to social media and like you know, I'd cry through it or laugh through it. It also was like a practice of me not being afraid to show my emotion in front of my daughter and knowing that like, she needs to see all of it, like Mm -hmm. all of it. Right. I don't want to live in this. Like we were speaking to like the dialogue around motherhood where like, it's so fake that everything is beautiful and good and grandiose when like, there's this whole other side too, that needs to be spoken about. And for me, it's like, really now it's become a practice of how do I show her all sides of me 
mm-hmm. and show her that it's safe to be our whole selves mm-hmm. and the emotion of anger. And like when anger comes up, how do I safely express it and feel it and let her know then through explanation that like, Hey, you know, these are all emotions, like neither one good or bad. Right. Mm. Um, so dance and music was really big getting outside, like moving my body, getting us out, whether moving my body or just getting into the fresh air, the sunshine, having things for us to do. And then also just like getting curious about her and like, Mm. and I have a daughter by the way, so I keep using her. So, you know, whether you have a girl or boy, but just like getting curious about the child in front of you, And like, how do I really tap into my own childlike energy and like match her energy? And how can we have fun right now? Like, how can I try to change this up? And there were plenty of moments where like, it was really hard to have fun because she's maybe crying all day. She's going through something, but it's also just honoring the fact of like looking at, okay, why are her cries triggering me in this moment? Mm. And then also like logically like, okay, well, she's going through something herself too. So it's always, it's like this fine dance of like, you're here for this being (laughs) and you're also here for all the parts of you that are coming to the surface in relation of this experience together. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm so glad that you mentioned music and dance because I actually realized for myself that I stopped, I like, wasn't a, I don't listen to music and I'm not a person who like listens to music, but I realized it's because like music will hit me with emotion where I'm like, maybe not prepared to feel that emotion right now. Or I'm just like, it's taking me on a journey and I'm like, I'm in a different mental space, but actually in the last like few months, I've been turning to music a lot, which has been so beautiful because it's like, it is that like raw feeling, which is so cool. So I didn't expect you to say that, but I love that you mentioned that. And then this is kind of like a big question that always comes up for me. And it's, it's, it has to do with what you're talking about. And this idea of like showing up for your child while also showing up for yourself. And this is a huge fear of mine in, you know, thinking about entering motherhood, because I feel like as a child, I learned how to self-abandon. And like, that was my, my survival mode was self-abandoning. And now in my early adulthood, I'm starting to unravel that and start to heal that and start to learn how to really show up for myself and really not self-abandon and like build this deep relationship with myself. But then what I totally fear is having a child. And now all of my all of my everything goes towards this being because they need you to be there for them. But then where do you also show up for yourself? And like, I'm so curious to hear what this has been like for you and you even talking about how in this first year of motherhood, there were a lot of things that were triggering for you and your inner child and things that you didn't get, which I imagine a, a is so confronting and B is also so healing because it gives you a chance to have those things come up. Whereas perhaps if you didn't have a child, like it, may, it might not come up or it might come up over a long, long period of time, you know, who knows? And like, I think about the word sacrifice versus service a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, there's such a difference between sacrifice and service. And like, as mothers, you are in service 
to your child, but then what are, what's that fine line between sacrificing yourself and like, where is that balance? If there's even a balance. So there's so much there, but yeah, I'm curious, like how you've navigated that. Cause it's such a big and present thing that is just true for people who have to be caretakers of someone who's entirely dependent on them. So I feel that really the whole journey of being, we can even speak to it just as a caretaker is like, how are we not sacrificing ourself in the process Mm. and sacrificing our whole self in the process in that we just completely put this, you know, for childhood, like this being in front of us at all points in time. And like, we, I mean, it's kind of almost just like in super to keep it like really simplistic of like the concept of you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Mm. And it's so, it's hard to do in the initial moments of it. And I know I'm going to get hit with this all throughout life as they grow and change and everything like that. But the one thing that I have found is really sticking to like continuing to stick to myself as Mm -hmm. much as I am responsible for her and her well-being. I mean, I'm her lifeline right now. I have been for the last year and I will be for the next however many years. But like, because I'm her lifeline, she needs a steady and stable lifeline. Mm -hmm. Now within that, she's going to see me ebb and flow. She chose me from like a higher perspective, a soul perspective, right? Like she signed up for all of this. Like our kids, they chose us. They chose us for all of us. They chose us like where we are in the moment that they come into our world. So like we're all in it together, like for the greater good, right? However, as the human experience, it's really, really tricky. So some like little ways that I kind of come back to myself that I'll share or that I like continue to like take care of myself in the process. One of the things for me is like knowing just the power of being outside and in nature. And it's actually funny I bring this up, Leah, because obviously you mm-hmm. connect so deeply to this too, which is probably why it's what's coming up, mm-hmm. is also knowing like, okay, for Sage, it would be really fun if we, let's go outside and let's bring a blanket outside and bring our toys outside and we can like be outside together. So for her, she's being enriched in so many different ways And I get to sit there and I get to feel my body on the ground and like how good it feels to feel grounded and like put my feet in the grass. And like, of course, while I'm paying attention and interacting with her hundred percent, like I'm all, everything of me is on her. I also get to take these like micro moments and just like close my eyes for maybe five seconds or whatever I'm comfortable with. And like feel the sun on me, feel the fresh air on me, feel how good it feels. And like, to me, that's that balance of taking care of me and taking care of her. And I get to also like take some deep breaths for her as well. We do a lot of breath work together, which somebody might Mm -hmm. laugh at this because she's a year old, but when she gets really, really upset, I find a, that I also can feel myself and my inner child get upset because feeling emotions wasn't something that I was really taught growing up. So whenever she has these big emotions, I've seen that it triggers my inner child of like, wait, what, why do you get to have these big emotions when I never got to have them? If that makes sense. So for her also like holding her and just like breathing with her and showing her that like, it's completely safe to have and feel these big emotions 
and I've got you here and I'm your rock. And like, we're going to get through this together. But in the process, I'm also breathing and following just very simple breath work practice practices that are also in tangent, calming myself down and like Mm. slowing my nerves. So it's like, we're constantly in this dance together as mother and child that I feel like you have to just be extra intentional. And then also there are times too, where I maybe am not able to, I don't know, handle or experience what I need in the moment because I'm with her and her energy is taking over or whatever it is. So like once she goes to bed that night, I then give myself the space to feel and kind of like channel back into that emotion of like, okay, what did I have to box away earlier today? And how do I now give myself like 10 or 15 minutes to feel that and nurture myself and just like constantly check back in with myself? Because as a mother or a father, you have just as a parent, you have so much on your plate all the time. It's so easy to move from like, okay, she's down for bed. Now I need to make dinner or now I need to clean the house or do this. Or even maybe I just need to like lay on the couch and not move for 30 minutes. But there's also that piece of like, but I need to also slow down and take care of me. And Mm -hmm. like the dishes can wait. The house doesn't have to be perfectly clean or how can I call in a support system that can support us in these different ways? Or if you have a partner working with a partner, being a solo parent, I mean, I can only imagine how difficult that is. I get glimpses of that with my partner's travel schedule and things like that. So I know it's so much harder there, but it is possible And before getting pregnant the second time, waking up early and ahead of Sage was a way that I would really, really nurture myself. Mm. And that was like so key for me to get that time. Right now, I need the extra sleep. So (laughs) I stay in bed as long as I possibly can. But it's also that same dance of like, okay, how am I getting her breakfast? But also getting myself breakfast at the same time. And like, bringing her in. Like she now loves to make smoothies because that's what I love. And like, that's really important to me. Like that makes me feel good on all different levels. And like, I have my lemon water as I get her milk or whatever it looks like. And like, I feel like it's just constantly knowing like we can take care of ourselves with them. It might just take an extra step or getting super creative in the process. Mm, Wow. That's, I love that. And I think even again, like talking about doing the thing that might be harder, but have the deeper reward because it's so like, right. I can only imagine if like all of these emotions are coming up throughout the day, but your attention is totally on her and you don't have that time and space to process. But then at the end of the day, when you do have a little bit of space, how can you return to those moments to actually work through it? Because if you don't, those things are just going to keep piling and piling and piling. And then you have those outbursts and those, you know, those moments where you yell at your kids, which is totally normal. And like, Mm -hmm. of course, human, but I imagine that's where a lot of that stuff comes from because there was no time and space taken. Like, it's kind of like a regular, like emotional hygiene. Like you have to kind of, and it's a good reminder for us too. Even if you, even if someone doesn't have kids, like there are still those moments that we're, if we're not putting our full attention to, they do just keep piling. Yeah. I want to, it piles until it explodes and it often explodes on the child or 
even the dog barking or whatever it is. It can be anything. It could be your partner. It could be like, I don't know if you burned your hand on this, like whatever it is, it's the craziest thing is suddenly going to set off that explosion. Yeah. Of all of the mismanagement. And the only other thing I did just want to make note of on that really quick is cultivating these practices and getting to know yourself before entering motherhood. It doesn't need to be perfect, but just having a set of practices and ways of knowing how to support yourself, like Leah, how you've been taking care of yourself mm-hmm. is going to serve you for life through your journey as a motherhood, because you already know this toolbox and you're going to feel like you've forgotten it at one point, but you are going to slowly come back to these practices. And if you don't already have them before entering motherhood, that's also completely okay too. Mm. just pick one thing and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that actually, because this is something that I think about a lot where I'm like, I kind of get stuck in this trap and I feel like you've mentioned this on maybe one of your podcast episodes too, of just like, you don't realize how much time you have until you're a mother and you don't have any time. And then you're like, oh my God, I had so much time before, which like I am in that space where I don't have a child yet. I actually do have a lot of time to take care of myself. And I still feel like I'm holding on to these habits that don't serve me. And some days I have a beautiful morning routine, but then other days I'll wake up and scroll and I'll even be aware of it in that moment of like, you know, like trying to squeeze out all of my moments, because I know that once I have a child, I won't have these moments again, and then kind of like judging myself in the moment. So it's just a weird and I wonder if anyone else listening who doesn't have kids like thinks like this, because I realized I was talking about this in therapy recently, where I'm like, I think about this a lot. Like I like, and I feel like it's because I've seen I've seen my sister's journey to motherhood really closely. Like I've seen your journey, not so closely, but like, at least I don't know it. And I don't know why it's something that I like, I'm like, I don't know if other people my age are like thinking about this as intensely. They might be. Cause I don't know. How can you not? But like, it's just interesting that I'm like aware of it and trying to prepare myself for it, but then feeling like I'm not taking advantage of all the time that I do have now because I do have the time. So it's just really, really interesting. It is. And honestly, I feel like it's kind of part of the human experiment, right? Mm. Where it's like, we know, oh, I'd like to be doing something differently, but then I'm still over here doing things the way I have been, but yet like I know, and then it's like, okay, but if this gets taken from me, what do I do? And I feel like it's just, I mean, it's like such a intense topic kind of, right? Because even now, I mean, I look back at certain moments and I'm like, shoot, would have really used my time differently had I known. Right. But I feel like it's also just kind of, again, like surrendering into the moment and allowing yourself to be human in the human and modern world that we live in right now, where we do have access to all of these things and just like having the awareness and be like, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to let myself go scroll social media for whatever. And then ideally tomorrow, I don't do that, but If I do do it again tomorrow, I'll try again for the next day or like I'll try to make it shorter or whatever it looks like, you know, and just kind of like having that like compassion for the self, I feel like is so big. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I want to go back and touch on some of the mental health challenges that you mentioned, because I remember even talking with you while you were pregnant and you were you were mentioning that like you didn't know how the post pregnancy hormones would be and you were trying to do things to prepare yourself for that 
And I'm curious, like for you, as you look back on this last year, like with the mental health challenges that you experienced, can you identify, like, is it, is it kind of like a, just a hormonal thing that was just out of your control? Is it more of like to do with the identity shifts that's taking place and just the fact that your whole being is being shifted and rearranged? And of course there are things to do. Is it like childhood stuff coming up? Like not, and and sometimes we can't pinpoint like a reason or a trigger or a catalyst for like why we're experiencing these challenges. And I think with motherhood, it can be so many things and all like so many things can be true at once. So I'm curious for you, like, yeah, how was like identifying like what that was? And especially now as you're preparing for your second, are there any things that you are either just thinking about things differently or doing things differently, which is so interesting because like you mentioned before that you felt like you were doing all the things, which from an outside perspective too, you totally were doing all the things and like, even just the way that you treated the fourth trimester, I think was so inspiring. Like you worked with an Ayurvedic practitioner who was making you really nourishing food. And like, you were really taking care of your body in that way, which is so important. And that mother like needs that nourishment after, you know, losing all of these vitamins and minerals from just the birthing process. So yeah, I'm curious what, yeah. How are you preparing that for the second? And like, if you could identify like what that was or what that was teaching you. Totally. So I would say it was a culmination of so many things for me as my own individual. Some individuals, the hormonal shifts that take place actually keep them from having any extreme mental health experiences. Mm. Mine, And then it's maybe once you, if you choose to breastfeed, once you stop breastfeeding, once the hormones have all dropped out, everything's like, you're like coming back into more your like regular body, but then you get hit with it all. For me, I was on the other side of it, which the more I've researched and learned with this group that I've become a part of, which is pretty fascinating. I'm actually more on kind of more the rare side Mm. of being so extremely hormonally sensitive where It was definitely the hormones that were setting off so much of it. And my choice to stop to wean from breastfeeding at about eight months was a lifesaver. It was the identity shifts that were taking place. It was also the lack of sleep. Sleep is one of our main forms of nutrients and not having the sleep going through different sleep waves as Sage was adjusting was way harder on me than I ever really understood it to be. And then as well as I was embodying this role as the mother in relation to the two mother figures in my life through my husband's mother and my own mother and having different experiences that I wasn't using my voice in the way that I knew to use my voice. It was like I suddenly, and I think it's part with that big identity shift for me that really started transpiring around like four months postpartum. It was like the first three months I was like really confident in my voice. And then something shifted again, kind of just that whole culmination of events of not speaking to certain experiences that took place that really kind of just ran rampant in my mind. That was also the catalyst for certain just darker jumping off points. And then the fifth thing that I'll say as well, just for me is 
my partner and I, like bringing a child into the world, it bonds you closer than ever. And it also has the power to tear you apart. Mm. And to say that the mother is the only one going through her own mental and emotional and physical transition and transformation is so far from the truth. There's so much that the father or the second parent also takes on that I feel like, especially from the male perspective, is not spoken about in society as commonly because it's like, well, they didn't give birth. They should be fine. And my partner, he has been on a deep, a lifelong journey with mental health and things like that, but it really came to a head for him as well through all of this. So there was a lot of that, like, it felt like my support system really got rocked and just like everything was really rocky and really shaky. And a lot of this is his own experience that he's not he's not at a place of like talking publicly about it yet. So I don't want to like go into his detail, but I will just say that like, yeah, it was one of a, we have always felt that in our partnership, we've been through a lot up until giving birth. Mm -hmm. And this last year was the hardest year of our lives in our relationship. The last month we've hit like a huge turning point and I'm so, so grateful for that. But it really like, I can understand why or how, maybe more how than the why, like bringing children can also sever partnerships. And like, it's, Mm. there's just so much that goes into it. So yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think that is something too that people don't touch on enough and just like, it's so fascinating how this, this thing, this event I mean, it changes everything and it's not just you going through it. It's your partner. It's the people who are close to you. But then, yeah, just that idea of your support system having been rocked and it's like, you're both shifting and changing and, and I, yeah, it's just, there's so much there. And it also leads me to like curious about your experience with getting pregnant again so quickly Mm -hmm. after having your first baby and like you just went through this massive transformation, becoming a mother, navigating the first year of motherhood, navigating everything with your partner and just navigating so much and then getting pregnant again. And like, what was that experience like for you? And were you expecting it? And like, how, what has that been like now navigating being a new mother, but now knowing that you're going to have two and it's like, what a, what an initiation and how beautiful that like another soul, I feel like trusted you both and like trusted you both to come through at this time and to be so close to Sage and like want to grow up with her so close together in age, which I wait, how many months apart will they be? Will they be like a, so they will be about a year and a half. Wow. Okay. So my sister who also is a mother and has two kids, Mm -hmm. we are a year and a half apart. So we're like, yeah, exactly a year and a half. And it's, it's a, like, and I have seven siblings. So like I have experiences with a lot of different siblings and different age ranges, but like growing up with someone who's only a year and a half older than me, it's like, you grow up so closely connected. So yeah, I'm just really curious about like, what has that been experienced? like of becoming a new mother and then like surprise now you're going to be a mother of two so quickly. And yeah. What has that been like? 
Yeah. So it's interesting because when, after Sage was born, before Sage being born, we always talked about having multiple children. We started having the conversation of maybe having kids closer in age where we kind of were like, we don't, it was like, suddenly this conversation came up where we always previously talked about having kids further apart more of like three or four years. Also with everything I know about the physical body from a holistic and Ayurvedic perspective and everything, it really, they say it takes a good two to three years for the female body to be fully replenished and fully ready to I've heard have another too. baby again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's an element which I'll touch on and where I sit today for sure. But we, it was like, I kept feeling the energy of this other baby. And it was like, maybe we will have kids closer in age. And we didn't necessarily, we don't really love the early, early baby stage. And I can really speak to that now that I have a, what is she? 14 month old. So she just turned a year, two months ago where it's like every, like life is just so fun right now. Like Mm -hmm. I understand why I wanted to do this. And I did want to say that too, because I don't want to scare anyone off from this either. And this was also my own experience. I have friends that haven't gone through this as in-depthly, so to say, as I have, but it is like, I'm just so happy and so in love with my life right now. It's Mm. looking back a younger me would have never known that I could feel this much just love and joy in my life. So it is so amazing. But with that, we kind of were tossing around the idea where we were like, well, maybe we just like, we're already in the baby phase. Why don't we kind of move through the baby phase with all of our kids together? And then we get to kind of do like each phase of life more with our children together. And, Mm. you know, everybody always says it's kind of, again, there's no right or wrong way to do things. But once I started weaning from breastfeeding, my cycle came back like clockwork. I had a couple really healthy cycles. I mean, she was like right on par with where she's always been before. So it was like, okay, we're really healthy there. And I just kept feeling the energy of this other baby. And it was like, I really strongly feel like this soul wants to come in and, you know, I'm the conduit for that and everything I know about the body and what takes place. It really was stuck in my head as well, where I was like, I feel like this soul wants to come in, but like my body is not at a place. Like, is my body at a place to do that? And it, it was like really hard between knowing all this knowledge about the physical body but then also like feeling the energy of this baby. And it was like, I feel like, so I feel like he wants to come in. (laughs) So basically we kind of decided, you know what? And also we've had, we miscarried before Sage came into the world as well. So we do have a lost pregnancy and also not knowing how long will it take to get pregnant? Like that's a, you know, you never know how all this is going to work. And we kind of just said, Hey, you know what? If it's meant to be, it will be. And sure enough, we were in kind of like a short, like couple week period of feeling really deeply connected as a couple, as a family unit, which was a great breath of fresh air. And suddenly we became pregnant and it was like, okay, wow, we're going to do this. And then it, you know, has held throughout, I'm 23 weeks pregnant now. And it just felt like, okay, this is meant to be, it's divinely guided. I'm going to really trust as well that because this soul wanted to come in now. And again, and I feel like it really was orchestrated between Sage 
and this other baby that like they really wanted that that like I'm just going to trust that this baby will be healthy and my body can handle this and everything like that. But it's actually really cool though, Leah, because you mentioned the, all the Ayurvedic postpartum work that I did Mm. in that final fourth trimester. And one of the practices I did was yoni steaming. So I did daily yoni steaming for 42 days. I think I actually went a little bit longer than that. And with Sage's birth, I tore, I had a second degree tear. And so there should be a lot of scar tissue and a lot going on. However, I attribute this wholeheartedly to the Yoni steaming. Mm. I do not have a scar. I just started working again with a pelvic floor physical therapist and for how intensely I tore and by just the way everything was, she was like, I am so confused right now. You have no scar. Like she was like, how is that possible? And I was like, oh, I know. Like it was definitely the Yoni steaming hundred percent didn't do that because of that. Just understanding the whole, you know, gamut of health reasons to Yoni steam post-birth, but it was like, wow. So it just shows how impactful these practices are. What wait, do you know which herbs were in the Yoni steam? It was a mix. I'd have to, I can pull them okay. and I'll show them to you. Wait, that's so cool. I don't think I knew that you Yoni steamed. Mm. I don't, yeah, we hadn't talked about that, which is so funny because I mean, you know that I've been very into her. I mean, anyone who yeah. listens to this podcast now knows that I've been very into the herbalism world and I've been creating my own tea blends. And this one girl keeps telling me to do Yoni steam. She's like, you need to create a blend of Yoni steams. And I just haven't felt called to it yet, but I'm like, maybe that will be part of like, my journey of entering motherhood of like really, yeah, falling in love with that practice. And I love what you're saying too, with just all the stuff that can happen in the mind of like, oh, we know that physically, you know, it's not as great to get pregnant, you know, or like to, to give your body time to recover and to re-energize yourself with the proper nutrients and vitamins and minerals. But it's just like, life is a miracle and we don't know the bigger picture of things. And it is so beyond, I mean, it's kind of like how we started this conversation talking about the retreat that it's like, we, we can't imagine what will come to fruition. We can't even picture the the vision because we are just one small part. And there's such a higher intelligence, like orchestrating all of this. And I even think about my mom who had eight children, literally eight children, all of them natural births, all of them except for the first one was done at home. And like she had all, I mean, me and my sister are a year and a half apart. All the other kids are two years apart. So it's like the first one was five years apart. And then after that, she had seven kids consecutively, like every other year, basically, which is just wild. And I'm like, she did it. Like she, she, she did it. So we can do it too. And like, I don't know, just thinking about that is completely insane to me. (laughs) Your mom is such an inspiration. I cannot imagine that. I will definitely not be having that many children (laughs) unless we adopt that many, but I will not be physically birthing that many children. I mean, I want an inspiration for all of you. Like that's have that in your lineage. Well, it's wild. And the, my older three sisters don't want children. And Mm -hmm. so like the older three don't have children. My sister, who's a year and a half older than me, she's number five. She's the first and only of our family right now who has kids. So, and I feel like I'm the next because like that, I don't, I don't think my younger sister's next. I think I'm next. So it's just interesting of like, even thinking about 
birth and like, you know, the different things that can happen with birth. And I'm like, what will, like, I always, I don't know what I'll do. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, my mom did home births. My sister did a home birth. Like, I'm sure I'll do a home birth, but I'm like, will I? Like, will I feel safe enough to be at home? Like in my own space? Like, I don't, I don't know. That that's a question for for later when the time comes. But yeah, it's just some again, I think about these things a lot. <laughs> yeah. You'll know. And there yeah. is no right or wrong way to birth. Yeah. I will definitely say that. I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, just you know, stuff out there. Yeah. Is there anything as you're thinking about the second birth, like anything that you would, that you think you'll do differently, or are you just kind of going to surrender and flow with whatever the second soul will want? Yeah. So the things that I'll be doing differently, A, I'm really excited to birth again. Now that I've already done it once, that first birth is just such like uncharted territory (laughs) I planned for so much and it just like completely blew me out of the water the way it all unfolded I will say this round I'm doing much more or paying much more attention to my pelvic floor Mm. I didn't understand the shape that my pelvic floor was in until after delivering sage So that is an area that I'm paying a lot of attention to and just doing a lot of work with, as well as my breath. With Sage, I paid a lot of attention to the mindset and kind of more the like hypnosis and affirmations and that whole side of it, which was great and served me well, as well as the nutritional side and the physicality of it. But this time I'm really doing a lot with my breath so much more. So I would say this birth taking on, of course, from my first birth, but then adding into that intensive breath work practices and, um, pelvic floor health. Mm, Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Yeah. It's like stuff that you wouldn't have known and like, right. I, you can't even imagine what it's going to be like until you go through it. Like again, I, I mean, I, I, I think about giving birth quite often. I'm like, I am terrified to give birth. I don't think I will be able to withstand it. Like, how will I be able to do it? But it's like, well, your women do it. And, and no matter in which way you do it, it's like, it's all, it's all divine. And like, the important thing is that the child comes into the world healthy and safe. And that's all that matters. And mother too, of course, doing it in the way that mother is safe and supported. So I'm just... Yeah. I'm just so grateful that like, I have you in my life that you've been such a guide to me throughout all these major life transitions, like not only sat in return, but made into bride. And now I look to you as someone like who has beautifully embodied that archetype of made into mother and just all of the things that you have had to go through in this first year of motherhood. And now I feel like you, I mean, I feel that in you, that sense of rootedness, that sense of grounded rooted mother and of course like there are constant lessons to learn and that's just the evolution of being a human but I look to you as someone who's doing it so beautifully and so I thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing honestly about your journey and like there's a mil- like there's a million more things we could talk about and like it's just so nuanced and so deep but I think where we started this conversation, it's like trusting that what you're doing 
is having that beautiful ripple and impact. And I can speak for myself as someone who's just observed you from afar, you have had such beautiful ripple impact in just what you're doing as like, even not being on social media during this first year, largely. Like I find that so inspiring because I'm like, oh, I can do that too. Then when I become a mother and I've seen like, even with my sister who stayed very connected to social media while with her babies, like I could see the detrimental effect that it had on her. And I could see myself falling into like a similar pit hole. And, but it's just so complicated when it's like, maybe you're feeling lonely and you want that connection and like, there's just so much to it, but I just want to thank you for being you and just for deeply embodying your journey in the most beautiful way. And yeah, I'm just excited to see like how your life will continue to unfold and how we will continue to support each other throughout all of these different evolutions. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just so honored to be on this path with you and you know, to be able to serve you from being a couple steps ahead of you. I have a friend who is a couple steps ahead of me and she has oh. been, has been through each phase of life and wow. just has been such a light for me. Mm. And there's been times within our friendship where I'm like, man, am I giving enough to this friendship? And then it's like, no, of course this is our relationship. Mm. And then like, you just reminded me of how like you and I have that relationship, yeah. right? But yet I'm serving in a different role that, you know, so it just like, it's all full circle and it's just really, really cool. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what this next chapter looks like for both of us. I'm nervous. Of course I'm a human. I'm still scared, you know? Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see what comes next, but I will just say it feels, I'm just so grateful to be where I am right now and to be able to have these conversations like this with you and just have these safe and supportive spaces to share for my own well-being but then also of course just in hopes that there will be others you know outside of yourself of course Leah who are able to take just take certain things from this conversation and connect to it yeah wow beautiful thank you so much Brett I am just so grateful to you and to everyone listening too that like creating this space together. It's like, we learn so much from each other and just from the different journeys that we all will go on. And yeah, just really grateful. Thank you, Britt. Mm, Love you. Love you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.